Hey guys, welcome to Rambling Roy's, a podcast where we seek to see how Jesus intersects our everyday lives. I'm Amanda. And I'm Nick. Thank you guys for joining us again as we go through the next little section of Esther. And uh, just uh, to get started, Amanda, how's your day been? Um, it's actually been pretty good. It's been a very productive day. So yeah, no complaints. How's your day been? Yeah, same. Ain't no complaints. It's been a good day. I had a Hot Pocket for lunch. It was nice. A, a what? Yeah, a Hot Pocket. I heard a hot docket. <laughs> I was like, oh, a hot uh, piece of paper from a court? Dunder Mifflin Paper Company. <laughs> it was tasty. It was tasty. But yeah, Dwight said he eats their paper. So, I mean, I thought I should too. Mm. But, but yeah, so yeah, it's been a good day overall. Ate a hot pocket. Ate some frozen noodles. Those what are both pretty in good. In your hot pocket. Cheese. Mm. Pepperoni. Oh. Sauce. Oh. A little bit of dressing. Like a, a pizza. <laughs> That's what it's supposed to be like. Is is a pizza? Oh. You've I've nailed never it. Had a hot pocket. So. That's I a know. sad exist. They have just cheese. I. Okay. I'm gonna get you some. Oh. Thanks. I'm gonna bring them to your house or your apartment. Okay. I'll just leave them in your mailbox. Ooh. Make sure I know they're there because I don't check that very often. <laughs> I mean, it's by my door, so I see it when I leave, but like, I don't just like periodically just check to see if there's something there. <laughs> you you open it and it's like, Hot Pockets. Panini. <laughs> panini. Hey, Panini. Do you, do you remember those commercials? Like The Panini Hot, Hot Pocket Pocket? ones? Yeah. No. Uh, I'm glad you do, though. Thanks. It means a lot. <laughs> okay, so, so back on point. Yeah, back on back on point. Um, yeah, if you guys want to pause here and read Esther 2, 19 through 3, 15, it's go ahead and do that. Lot. Yeah, it's, it's a good it's a good chunk. Not not a whole lot, but it's, a, it's an honest day's work. But uh, so Amanda, what is our main point um, of this section? Um, this week uh, in our reading, the main point is in God's sometimes perplexing providence, our doing what is right may lead to um, us being in circumstances that feel wrong, but we can trust um, that God is working all things for our good and his glory. Yes, very true. Yes. So, yeah, let's hop in then to the last little section of Esther 2. So here we see Mordecai, who is Esther's cousin, right? Mm -hmm. Mordecai is the crime stopper. So we, we don't really know why or what it's for. The text tells us that there's a second gathering of virgins. And if you remember back, that's how Esther became queen. Uh, she was part of that gathering, and um, the king was like, that's my girl. So, um, yeah, so we don't know if it's the same gathering or if it's a new set or what, but there's another one going on in that time. That's what the text tells us. Mm-hmm. And Esther is is still keeping her identity a secret. And she's she's obeying Mordecai's wishes in that way, even though she's the queen now. So, yeah, 
Yeah, Mordecai is in his little town, and he overhears uh, two of the king's eunuchs talking about assassinating the king. And Mordecai's like, oh, no. And he tells Esther, and then Esther tells the king. So, yeah, he keeps from it being assassinated. What What are your thoughts on that, Amanda? Imagine just, like, walking down the street, and you hear two people just, like, planning to assassinate the president like for real like, i mean i hear that pretty often okay but some like actually having a real plan to do it not just like saying it like that would be really like, especially if you were like in dc or something like that that'd be scary it would, that'd be very scary i can't imagine. i think it would just kind of be like eh, good luck but but yeah. maybe back in that day it was easier i feel like it would be easier yeah and like good for uh esther to tell the king like hey watch out my dude you're about to get got well, watch out hubby so i have a question like uh-huh. it's kind of off topic but it's kind of on Hold topic on. yes if the king were you know to be assassinated i feel like the best time would be like when they're bathing because then they bathe on a roof yeah, something like that. That probably would be the best time. Then these two guys could just take a helicopter up, right? Uh-huh. Just take a helicopter up and just, you know, do it from up there. I feel like that would be the best. But I love that in this time that you are just imagining some helicopters. I mean, there's, there was obviously helicopters then. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> so another, another question that I have... Um, we're looking at uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you've never heard of him, he was uh, a theologian and a pastor in Germany, and he helped plotting to kill Hitler. So, um, you know, he he didn't just you know let let Hitler do his old thing. He helped in the plot to kill him. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't Mordecai allow such a terrible man as Ahasuerus or Xerxes to be assassinated? I mean, I feel like at some point Esther kind of did love Xerxes. Like, I don't know. And you want to, it's like his cousin daughter thing. So you want <laughs> to protect I don't know. Also, like, just, like, respecting the king. And, like, Hitler wasn't actually king. He just kind of had that mentality. Right. Right. And, and I'm not I'm not condoning Dietrich Bonhoeffer by any means. He was an amazing <laughs> man. But I think it's, a, it's an interesting question, you know, um, how Mordecai, you know, honored the king in that way, even though the king was a terrible man. And I mean, like you said, I think you're right. Like that was the king at the time, the the city he lived under. It wasn't necessarily the same for Bonhoeffer. Yeah. But um, a follow up question for that is: Do you think Bonhoeffer was wrong for helping in the plot to kill Hitler? You know, I don't think I have an answer for that. I don't think he was wrong, but was it, a, like, I don't know. 
I guess it's I guess not wrong, the, the but it's not sides. right. Right. I know Enneagram nines have such a hard time, like have it, choosing a side to begin with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have the the uh, should you like help to plot to kill him, or should you just kind of not get involved? I think that's your two options. Exactly, and like both of them are not good. Yeah, so and both of them are not bad. So it's just like So I guess if I had to say it comes down to wisdom. I don't think mm-hmm. Bonhoeffer was wrong. But, you know, can you read uh, Galatians 6:10 for us, Amanda? Yeah. Um so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And you can say, yeah, w- well, helping kill Hitler would be doing good to everyone. <laughs> or you could say plotting to kill Hitler is not doing good to everyone because it's not doing good to Hitler. So I don't know. You know, I think it's left up to wisdom and uh, definitely something that should be prayed about the next time you're plotting to kill somebody. Please don't plot to kill people. Yeah, don't plot to kill. So let's don't move kill. on. Don't even don't plot, but just don't kill. It's also one of the commandments. That's, that's true. That's fair. So <laughs> moving on to Esther three, now we get to the third chapter. Um, yeah, we're looking at verses one through six here. Uh, we see an introduction of um, this man named Haman. So yeah, Haman gets the promotion instead of Mordecai because Mordecai was the whistleblower in the scene, right? And it prevented the king from getting killed. And the king was excited. And instead of giving Mordecai a promotion, he gave this man, Haman, a promotion. And the text tells us that Haman was an Agagite. And um, scholars believe that Agagites uh, referred to descendants of Agag, the king of the Amalekites. But a lot of A's. Yeah, it is. And G's. But when mm-hmm. when we look at First Corinthians four, forty two through forty three, it tells us that all of the Amalekites were destroyed at this point. So perhaps the author is emphasizing emphasizing the rivalry of Mordecai and Haman in a way that the current Jewish audience would understand, but we don't really know. So mm-hmm. for all we know, he could have been an Amalekite. But yeah, we don't we don't know. And that's okay. Like I said, that's okay that we, we don't have all the answers there. So yeah. This man Heyman, what do you think of that name, Amanda? Honestly, the only thing I can think of is those videos where people are like, Hey man. Hey man. Um, I don't like the name. Of. I think that the listener should name their kids Heyman. You know, that's a personal choice. Uh I will support you in whatever You're supporting. you choose. Yeah. So the king commands that um, everyone is to bow and give honor to Haman. And for some reason, Mordecai won't do it. Mm. And so we, we don't know. We, we're not given a reason why Mordecai won't do it. It's and it, it wasn't it wasn't a bowing uh, to worship Haman, really, just more to give him honor. You know, but for, well, for like whatever I, reason, I feel like if I was um not given a promotion when I felt like I would. I don't know if I would honor the person that did when I, I was the one that deserved it. 
Oh yeah, that's fair. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's fair, but yeah, I like. It. It's a fair point. I think is it's what you're trying point. to say. Yeah, it's definitely a fair point. But yeah, for whatever reason, Mordecai doesn't. Haman gets really upset, and Haman decides to kill every Jew. That's a bit of an over exaggeration. Do you agree? Just a bit. Just, just a little bit. So yeah. So my question for all of us is, uh, like Haman, are we seeking our own honor? Uh, do we get mad when we don't receive honor? Mm. And deep down, do we desire our own honor over God's? I think those are some, some questions we can derive from this and think on because uh, if we're honest, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And... And like Mordecai, you can flip it and ask if, you know, like Mordecai, are we withholding honor where honor is due? And I think, and I think a a real question coming from that is who are we to honor? And I think I, we have two more verses for you to read, Amanda. Jude read Romans 13, seven first. Yeah. Um, pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. And then First Peter two seventeen. Yeah, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Right. So, who are we to honor? Um, honor whoever, or honor, yeah, whoever honor is owed to. Honor honor is owed to. The Bible tells us to honor our parents, right? Mm-hmm. We're to honor our parents, uh, those in authority over us, right? Whether that's, like we said before, I think on here, our, our landlords, our, our bosses. Especially in this time. Yeah, in this time. Landlords, our bosses, um, those in government, both like local and national. Yeah, so... I feel like that that's kind of a hard question is uh, are we withholding honor where honor is due? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think we'll jump on to the next section, verses seven through 15. And here we see that uh, Haman wants to set a date for this genocide. So they pass the purr as the, as the text says, which means like rolling the dice so they Mm -hmm. they literally roll a dice to figure out what day they're going to kill all the jews in that kingdom which is kind of messed up yeah like they can't decide themselves they have to hope the dice will show hope the dice so you know god is sovereign over dice of course because he's sovereign over everything and um in that time when they roll the dice the text tells us they're in the first month of the year and the dice rolls and it lands on the 12th month of the year. So there's like a whole 11 months until this thing, you know, will happen. Mm-hmm. So Haman uh, convinces Xerxes to allow his genocide by preying on his pride and his greed. You know, he he tells him, like, uh, these people don't respect you. Um I'll pay you money for this. He actually offers him money that I feel like he couldn't pay, but Mm. he's really wanting them dead. 
And so Xerxes is like, yeah, I deserve to be praised. And so, yeah, he sends out a letter uh, to all the people in the king's, in his provinces, uh, stating that the people are to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all Jews, quote. That's, that's kind of messed up. Scary. Just because this one guy wouldn't bow, he's going to yeah. kill all the Jews. That's, that's a little bit of an over-exaggeration. Just a little. Just a little bit. Passing the blame. So it was drafted on the 13th day of the first month, we're told, which actually would be the day before Passover. So on the days, on the day that the Jews would normally celebrate God's deliverance, they found themselves in need of deliverance again. Just thought that was an interesting thought that yeah. it's easy to pass over. Get it? Passover. <laughs> So the Jews had to wait in agony for 11 months as they received their death sentence. And they didn't know how or even if God was going to deliver them. Kind of like us in this time of Corona. You know, it's not the same as all of us getting wiped out by an angry king and his mob. But, I mean, we're in a time of waiting right now when we don't, we don't know exactly, you know, What's going to happen? We don't know how many people are going to die. We just are praying for deliverance. Yeah. And um, I think it can be easy to get down in the bogs, but um, I think I have another couple of verses for you. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, if you'll read that. Um, yeah. Uh, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines... The produce of the olive fail, and the flocks yield no food. The flock, the field yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread and tread on my high places. To the choir master with stringed instruments. Yes. So we look at God's faithfulness to his people in past times, and we know that God will inevitably preserve his people. Even if that means our death, we're still, if we trust in Jesus, we're still kept by him, right? Mm-hmm. And so when, when we question, you know, how we can fuel our faithfulness, in times of waiting, the answer is that we can feel it by remembering his faithfulness. Yeah. So we feel our faithfulness by remembering his faithfulness. And so, so wrapping up here, um, I wanted to read some uh, two verses from the hymn, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery, mm-hmm. in our closing thought. Verse three goes, Come behold the wondrous mystery, Christ the Lord upon the tree. In the stead of ruined sinners hangs the lamb in victory. See the price of our redemption. See the Father's plan unfold, bringing many sons to glory, grace unmeasured, love untold. Verse 4 says, Come behold the wondrous mystery, slain by death, the God of life. But no grave could ever restrain him. Praise the Lord, he is alive. What a foretaste of deliverance. 
how unwavering our hope, Christ in power resurrected as we will be when he comes. Mm. So like, like the Jews had, we have a death sentence on our head. Mm-hmm. And we've had one ever since the fall in the garden. But God is faithful to his people and sent Jesus. And mm. just as just as Haman tried to to buy, you know, the king's favor and tried to buy uh this mass genocide, uh Christ bought us with his own death. So we can look to him as the ultimate redeemer of his people. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for listening, you guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Have a dumb blessed day. Soli Deo Gloria.